We are in the midst of the Christmas season. Even though Walmart and other stores have tried to get us there since September, but there's more lights every night that you go out. Stores are busier. And we've survived now Black Friday and Small Business Sunday and Cyber Monday. Delivery people are busier every day. Uh, sometimes getting the wrong place as we have had to deliver our neighbor's stuff a few times. Every store is offering the best price on the best stuff. You know, you've got to get it here from us. And all hoping to be floating come January. Someplace, somehow, sometime, Jesus has gotten lost in all of this. And it's not just the world. Many Christians are as guilty of forgetting the reason for the season. I've probably said this before in one or more podcasts, but now is the best and the easiest time to talk to people about Jesus Christ. And you should be sending religious Christmas cards and using religious Christmas stamps, even though they're usually pretty ugly. But don't just invite people to church. Pick them up. Okay, say, hey, our church is having Christmas Eve service on, on uh, Christmas Eve at 7 o'clock, and I'll stop by at 6.30 and pick you up so we can get a good seat. You know, you may change someone's life. You may even save their life. Let's pray. Father, I just give you thanks for this time of year. Lord, I I just enjoy uh, seeing more positive things on Facebook. I enjoy people usually uh, going out of their way to be a little more friendly uh, than in the past. Uh, I'm not sure why that is or what it is that brings that out in people, but praise God that it does. So, Father, just be with us as we look at another of your Christmas songs and uh, see what the message is there and how it can affect our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. So if you listened to my last message, you know that I'm going to be looking at some of the Christmas songs that we hear each year, some more popular than others. The Christmas song or hymn that I'm going to look at today is uh, I say that in my very bad German accent because the beloved carol originated in 16th century German monasteries. <clears throat> Legend has it that a monk was inspired to create it after a Christmas Eve forest walk during which he saw a blooming rose. The imagery is based on Isaiah 11.1, referring to the branch of Jesse, a central messianic symbol. There shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of its roots. The, The text makes no mention of a rose. Curiously, there is a debate as to whether the words of the carol use the the German rose, Ross for rose, or Ries for branch. I probably mispronounced both of those. 
But indeed, some hymnals have low how a branch is growing, which is more biblically accurate, but less metaphorically splendid than the rosy alternative. Um, es ist ein Rose entspringen. Uh, literally, a rose has sprung up. It's commonly translated into English as lo how a rose are blooming. And it's also called a spotless rose and behold a rose of Judah. The rose in German text is a symbolic reference to the Virgin Mary. So you got your history lesson there. So let's take a look at this hymn. Okay, verse one. Lo, how a rose are blooming, from tender stem hath sprung. O Jesse's lineage coming, as men of old have sung. It came a floweret bright amid the cold of winter, when hath spent the night. Well, where does this come from? Okay, in what I had already told you of the history, it comes from Isaiah chapter 11, starting in verse 1. And I'll be sticking with the NIV for most part. Um, I'll use the message here in just a little bit. But it says, A shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. From his roots a branch will bear fruit. The spirit of the Lord will rest on him. The spirit of wisdom and of understanding, the spirit of counsel and of might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. And he will delight in the fear of the Lord. Okay, so now let's go to the message and see what it has to tell us. It says, a green shoot will sprout from Jesse's stump, from his roots a budding branch. The life-giving Spirit of God will hover over him, the Spirit that brings wisdom and understanding, the Spirit that gives direction and builds strength, the Spirit that instills knowledge and fear of God. Fear of God will be all his joy and delight. Okay, so this is where the song comes from, is those verses. <clears throat> Excuse me. So this is referring to what the Lord told David through the, the prophet Nathan in First Chronicles chapter 17, beginning in verse 11. The Lord said, When your days are over, and you go to be with your ancestors, I will raise up your offspring to succeed you, one of your own sons, and I will establish his kingdom. He is the one who will build the house for me, and I will establish his throne forever. I will be his father, and he will be my son. I will never take my love away from him as I took it away from your predecessor. I will set him over my house and my kingdom forever, his throne will be established forever. Okay, so he's talking about Solomon, the one that's going to build the temple. And where he says, you know, I took my love away from your predecessor, Saul. Okay, but the Lord is letting David know someone from your line, someone from your family will be sitting on the throne and will be over my people. So... The main thing that we need to catch here is in verse 14, in the, the two forevers. Uh, David's offspring will be over the kingdom forever, and David's offspring will be on the throne forever. Okay, and that's 
you know, had to be comforting to David, knowing that his time was coming to go to be with his uh, ancestors, as the Lord put it. Okay, the, the verse tells us this. It came a flower bright amid the cold of winter. To some, they may say, well, that's impossible. I don't know the weather in the Holy Land, but I know that just before recording this, I was out in our backyard and I caught up some pink, white, and red roses from our rose bushes for my wife. So they'll still be there for a while. We're supposed to get a frost tonight, so we may lose some. But so it's not impossible. Well, verse 2 of the song tells us this. Isaiah, t'was foretold it, the rose I have in mind. Mary will behold it, the virgin mother kind. To show God's love aright, she bore to us a Savior, when half spent was the night. This is giving us Luke's story on Jesus' conception and birth. Well, there's two things here. One, connecting to the first verse, the song said as well, the rose in the original was rod, which is in Hebrew, kotar, which means rod or twig. Put that together with the German symbol for Mary, which is rose. So that's how it comes together in there. And as far as speaking of God's love, 1 John 4.19 tells us we love because he first loved us. You know, it would take a tremendous amount of love to give up your son. You know, I was in the car just a short time ago, and I don't know the song, but it said, you know, how many fathers gave up their son? And only God gave up his son so we can have eternal life. And as far as a half spent was the night, most of us have assumed or been taught anyways that Jesus was born during the night. Verse 3 of the song is the one that is most often removed. I'm not really, really sure why, uh, unless I just wanted to make it a little bit shorter, I guess, as some people have a problem with that. Uh, but it says, The shepherds heard the story proclaimed by angels bright, how Christ, the Lord of glory, was born on earth this night. To Bethlehem they sped, and in the manger they found him, as angel heralds said. Okay, this is certainly scriptural. As Luke gives us this in chapter 2, beginning in verse 8. So it's not like the verse was removed because it wasn't scriptural. So this is what it tells us there in Luke 2. It says, And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God, saying, 
Glory to God in the highest, and peace on earth to those from whom his favor rests. When the angels had left and gone to heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby, who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Now, the King James tells us that they were sore afraid. Okay, uh, well... The Greek for sore is megas, which means loud, large, exceeding, or sore. And so I had to look this up, not being a big parts of speech guy. But sore as an advert, adverb means just that. Okay? That means large, loud, exceeding. Okay? The Greek for afraid is fabeo, not to be confused with fabio, uh, means alarmed or in awe or afraid or fear or reverence. So we could look at this passage in a whole different light. Now, most Bible versions say that the shepherds were terrified, afraid, frightened. But if we look at verse 9, a little differently, we could say an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were greatly reverent. Ah, different than sore afraid. Now, if it were me, I probably would be terrified, frightened, and afraid rather than being greatly reverent. But the shepherds may have been more reverent than they were scared to death. Whatever, they were spurred to go and check things out. Because it says, when they got there, they became believers. They wasted no time. The Greek tells us that they eagerly, with haste, to speed, got there as quick as they could. Now, we don't know the distance we're talking about from the shepherds in the field to where the manger was in Bethlehem, but it probably wasn't all that far. And the scripture makes us think that they must have gone to many people in Bethlehem and told them what happened. Because verses 17 and 18 says, when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. The news the shepherds had certainly was amazing. An angel, a multitude, a great vast number of heavenly hosts that they had seen while they were out in the field. And the Messiah, right where the angel had told them, wrapped in claws, just like the angel had told them. And all this was given to lowly shepherds, okay? Uh, 
being the shepherd, if you were in the family, the youngest was the shepherd, like David. He was the youngest of his brothers, and so he was out in the field as the shepherd. Not the older brothers, but him. Verse 4 of the song. It says, This flower, whose fragrance tender with sweetness fills the air, dispels with glorious splendor the darkness everywhere. True man, yet very God, from sin and death he saves us, and lightens every load. Okay, this flower is Jesus, whose fragrance tender with sweetness fills the air. You know, Jesus was humble. He didn't come to tear Israel from the Roman Empire. Even though that's what Israel was looking for, he came only to bring truth and to fulfill prophecy. And the line tells us, dispels with glorious splendor the darkness everywhere. You know, that could be a message all on its own. John 1.5 says, The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. John 3.19, The light has come into the world, but the people love the darkness instead of the light because their deeds were evil. Okay, so the light dispels the darkness, like the song says. In many more places throughout the Gospels, in Paul's letter and James and Peter's writings, it talks about the darkness being overcome by the light. Jesus Christ. And we're all called to do the same. In Matthew 5, uh, verses 14 to 16, Jesus said, You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden, neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father. We're called to dispel with glorious splendor the darkness everywhere. Eh, No pressure there, right? And the next line says, True man, yet very God, from sin and death he saves us. Okay, Philippians 2, beginning in verse 6. Who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. God made man. Why? Why? Why a man Paul describes in Philippians 2. Not a man to be a king on earth. Not a man to be leading armies and to be a warrior. But the very nature of a servant. The kind of servant that it tells us about in John 13. Excuse me. says, talking about Jesus... He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, you're going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, You do not realize now what I'm doing, but later you'll understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. But Jesus answered, Unless I wash you, you have no part with me. 
not just a servant, but the lowest of servants, the new guy. Okay, again, like the shepherd, you know, if you were a servant in a household, you know, that was going to be your first job. When somebody comes to visit, you're going to be the foot washer. Well, it tells us that Jesus lightens every load. Matthew 11, beginning in verse 28. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. You know, most of us carry a lot of baggage, and Jesus wants to be our porter. He wants to carry it all for us. I need, we need, to learn to go to him first with our burdens. I skipped this last part on purpose because the third line in that last verse said, from sin and death, he saves us. This is what it's all about. Okay? That's why Jesus came, to rescue us from ourselves. Because Romans 10, 13 says, everyone, not some, not many, not a lot, but everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Period. So that means anybody that does not have Jesus Christ as the center of their lives, doesn't have him as the greatest relationship that they have, can come to him and find Jesus there waiting for him to change their life in so many ways. Let's pray. Father, I lift up my brothers and sisters that know you and love you. Lord, help them to take the words of this song that we sing. It's not one of the most popular songs, but Lord, let them find it in their hymnal or find it online and to, to really look at the words and see just uh, how much of the, the Christmas story and life story is there and to see how Jesus came to make not just a difference, but to change our lives totally. And Father, somebody that knows you, they know that, but sometimes we forget it. Sometimes we get caught up in the the hype of the world, just like everybody else. And Lord, if there's anyone that may be listening that, that does not have a relationship with you, someone that doesn't know you, that they've never made a commitment to you, Lord, let today be the time that they decide that their life needs to be changed from what it is and not just changed for today or changed for a while and then move on to something else, but Lord, to be changed completely and totally as they give their life to you. So, Father, let them know that, that Jesus came for them. He didn't just come for the religious people, but he, he came for everyone. He came to serve and came to save. So, Father, let them know that they need to pray along with me. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for sending Jesus. He died for my sins so I could live eternity in heaven with you. Father, forgive me because I know I've been a sinner and I can only be saved through your grace. So Father, take my life.
and let it be what you need it to be. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.